Hey everyone, welcome back to the Music Attic. This is Joe. And this is Will. And this is our second episode. Uh, So we were discussing some things about what to do for a second episode, and uh, I think this is going to be kind of a mixed bag, Uh, more of uh, things we used to listen to in high school, stuff like that. Things we're looking forward to this coming year, things we might be embarrassed about that we listened to in high school, Uh, things of that sort, I guess. Yeah. Well, I know there's a lot of skeletons in my closet when it comes to (laughs) bands in high school, but... Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, what do you have? Do you have any uh, bands you have that are looking forward to releasing an album this year? Or Well, uh, if we have fans that have listened to episode one, I almost went into a rant about the band Deadsy. Deadsy is a band that is supposed to be releasing an album this year. Uh, then again, they were supposed to release this album last year. So that would be number one on my list of hopes and prayers to come out. You? Yeah, I'd be pretty sick to see a new Deadsy album drop this year. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah, you think about it. Deadsy's been in the wheel well since, what, 94, 95? They actually were around before Orgy, uh, before Jay Gordon actually stole the best ideas that Deadsy had and created his own shitty version of a band. Yes, and Orgy was one of those bands I listened to in high school that oh. I'm kind of, come on, but Candy Ass is still a great album. Oh, Stitches is a great song. I won't lie. I had the album. I had the T-shirt. So I was right alongside of you in cringeworthy adoration. I wanted uh, Jay Gordon's boots that oh, he wore the, in that music video. It was a fucking ad- like three feet yeah. tall. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you look at fashion faux pas, <laughs> that album and everything where within their look the uh the, the that was where hot topic basically started. <laughs> was I mean, it was stitches. some creepy pedo like anime manga. I don't know what was going on there, but I was always uncomfortable when I watched their videos. Yeah, uh, I don't think Hot Topic existed before the Stitches video. Uh, you might be right. When I think of Hot Topic, I think of the Hardy Boys and the fucking the pants with all all <laughs> the, the fuck fucking Hardy the Hardy Boys, man. Because like I figured if I went to Hot Topic, I could dress like Jeff and Matt Hardy. Hey, I used to buy a lot of clothes. Oh, yeah. I had the fucking Jankos. Oh, yeah. The fucking stove pipe pants. The, the fucking bondage. I still might have them somewhere. Fucking the black, the black bondage pants with the fucking zippers all over the place uh, and the it, straps that hung down to the goddamn ground that got muddy every yeah. time it fucking rained. If it, if, it was, if it was the possibility of rain, somehow those pants ended up wet. And they were the size of fucking parachutes, too. So if you got them wet, it was like adding an extra 20 pounds to each leg. <laughs> So you had to worry about half your school day wondering whether or not your pants are going to fucking fall off you have like, a pair of steps. It was like, why is that kid wearing black so mad all the time? It's because I got my fucking pants wet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I remember just looking at him going, Christ almighty, I think I could fit two of my waist in one pant leg. <laughs> uh, so there you go. There's a blast from the past. The things we might be ashamed of yeah, that we did yeah. in high school. Yeah, there, there's definitely some things here. We won't even talk about my love affair with... Uh, the bleach bottle in my hair. I'm surprised I still have any. You used to bleach your hair. I look like Eminem in the stand <laughs> video. <laughs> I shit you not. Baggy ass pants, the white fucking Hanes t-shirt. You just look like a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like I was going to come beat your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Wife beater fucking oh, yeah. tank top. Fucking yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i put it to you this way. I bleached my hair so much with the manic panic that I was afraid my hair color might never come back. See, I used to do the manic panic, but I used to spike my hair. 
and give it the like the red spikes and the blue <laughs> spikes and stuff. <laughs> I did that one time on a uh, on a Halloween dare. I was told that the uh, if you put the red manic panic in, it will wash right out. Well, what we didn't, you know, take into consideration was that my hair was bleached white. <laughs> So when we washed it out, the next day my hair was fucking pink. pink. So when I walk out and deliver with my 40-some-odd-year-old you know, year old father, who doesn't understand half of my life choices anyways, sees me walking out in the morning with pink fucking hair, I could hear the aneurysm from, from across the room. What are you doing? I was, I was never aware, allowed to do uh, that stuff to my hair. That's why... I always kept a bottle of that shit in my backpack. So when I got to school, right on with you. I would go into school and I'd have this fucking can of paste <laughs> like a fucking nerd. <laughs> Just go down in the boys locker room and fucking paint my fucking hair red and everything else. And then, oh, the last school bell rang. So I ran down to the fucking <laughs> locker room before I got on the bus and washed my hair out. Yeah, it was very There's pretty. a cure video in there somewhere. <laughs> I wish yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. That would actually be cool if there's a cure video. The boy who paints his hair in the locker oh. room. Oh, so bad. I forgot about that. I went to school one day, me and my buddy Eddie, because uh, we had a teacher that said, uh, "How come you boys never dress nice, but you're always dyeing your hair and everything else?" So, me, <laughs> me and Eddie went to the fucking Goodwill and we. Did you go him. buy suits? <laughs> We came to school the next day <laughs> in fucking black slacks, which I had because I was in band. I was a band nerd. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> button up long sleeve shirts and fucking sweater vests. Oh, that's we, awesome. Uh, I had a fucking spiked dog collar on. <laughs> <laughs> and my hair just straight oh, up fucking red. And we went is... up to the teacher and she's like, what are you guys doing? You said you said we never dress nice, but here we are, dress nice. Do you like <laughs> us now? <laughs> I had a similar experience in high school. Of course, our high school times were a little bit apart, so I was smack dab in the middle of the '90s era of dressing. So, of course, everything was like backwards look, pants. <laughs> no, I didn't crisscross it up. I'm talking like, okay, I look like I was Kurt Cobain's poor cousin. <laughs> so, same deal, like flannel, paint on my pants carried a tackle box. They weren't sure if there was fishing tackle or art supplies in it. The same deal. And Sister Bruce was like, why don't you guys ever dress nice? So I went home, knew my dad had some clothes that were nice in his closet. Didn't care what they were. I knew they'd fit. I put them on. What I didn't realize, it was a fucking leisure suit. <laughs> With a butterfly collar. That's awesome. And I didn't realize that the patterns in the shirt and inside of the jacket were fucking mushrooms. <laughs> And the pants, the, the pants were like this fucking weird suede bell bottomy thing. So I'm wearing a pair of Chuck Taylors because I didn't have, I didn't own a pair of nice shoes at that time. And this ugly ass dark brown leisure suit with a light gold accent. And I wore it happily oh. all day, all day long. I was so proud of it. I had long ass hair, braided to shit, shaved underneath, and I'm walking around school. And the looks I got made my year. <laughs> I, I I want uh, an '80s white leisure suit, like Duran Duran. I would totally fucking rock that. Oh, dude, with like the like with the, the keyboard, Crockett and Tubbs, yeah, Crockett and Tubbs, dude. We could do that. I did the Don Johnson hair in the '80s too, yes. like like the fucking. Wow. It wasn't quite a spiky job, but it wasn't quite. It was frosted tips. Oh yeah, I was waiting to get my ass kicked on the school bus. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, back to music. Music. Uh, 
I guess I could say I really got my music music education when I was in high school. When I was in uh, middle school, I used to listen to a lot of rap, which I still don't mind rap. I mean, mm-hmm. I still, you know, I I fucking love the Wu Tang Clan. Wu Tang. I, <laughs> I I rock that shit all the goddamn time. Can't tell I'm making the Wu Tang. Wu Tang. Uh, Crazy Bone was yeah. my B- Bone stuff. Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, uh, his solo uh, Thug Mentality album was amazing. Oh yeah, amazing. And then I started getting into more stuff. Uh, high school was really the year was like 2000. Yeah, my first year of high school was 2000. And that's when all the shit started coming out. Oh, yeah. You, you hit had new metal. fucking disturbed. New metal hit, and, man. Uh, yeah, new metal. The rock. And you, new metal. And see, even in middle school, I was listening to Limp Biscuit because I was more on the rap side anyways. And Significant mm-hmm. Other came out when 1999. Because there's actually a song called 1999 on it, I think. I had yeah. the record well, behind me. And you got to realize, too, their first album, $3 Bill, y'all, came out in 98, which I, love I that only album. had the, the CD. I had the T-shirt from the from the album cover. That's you gotta how cool. Have faith. Oh yeah, well, dude. The, I was like, I didn't know what to make of it, and I saw that video, and I actually saw it live on MTV, and I think it was the fact that West Borland looked like a fucking alien. Yeah, you've got this dude wearing fucking knee high plastic boots, blacked out contacts, and his face is painted green. Yeah, and he's wearing a dress, dancing around the stage, what playing the gnarliest riff ever. I love Wes Borland. I mean, still love the guy. I, I I'm not ashamed to admit that I I still enjoy some Limp Biscuit. I oh, did yeah. not like the Green album. Nope. <coughs> or the results may vary. Is that what it, was that what the album's name was? Results may vary. Was it? The I results, think you're right. That was the first. It was first when album. West left. Yeah, they they got rid of him. He did uh bl- blue. Uh, what was that song? Oh, uh, behind blue eyes. Yeah, that was the album that it was yeah. fucking trash. Yeah, because uh, what was the, what was the band that West went started on his own? It was very uh, black light. Yeah, uh, black light burns. Yeah, which was very kind of seductive, gothicy. Somewhere's around a perfect circle. Type I of stuff. gave that band so many tries. I wanted to like it. Couldn't do it. I wanted to like it. The I'm pre- like, I'm following West Borland. Yep. The pretension in that band was I couldn't off handle it. It was terrible. <clears throat> and watching him like walk around acting like a wannabe Trent Reznor in that in the videos for that album, I just couldn't get behind no. it either. Well, I'm not. A, I I last year or the year before when they uh, was it they, Gold Cobra? They uh, oh fucking Gold Cobra! We won't even talk about that. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I like that song, Gold Cobra. They uh, no, they re-released uh, Significant Other on vinyl, and I it. was yeah. fucking first in line pre-ordering that shit. That's right a, behind my Cannibal Corpse albums. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dope album, though. I mean, you, uh, as as a snapshot of time. Oh, yeah. Break stuff. I mean, hell, dude. Nookie. I, Nookie. Nookie is a piece of pop magic. You are a piece of garbage if you don't admit that you don't bob your head at least a little when dude, fucking Nookie comes on the second you hear that rip, that you, you fucking, you just start, and you know all the words. <laughs> Everybody who's ever heard that song knows the words in the bottom subcockles of their heart. They're, they're lying yeah. to themselves. If they don't, You're like, I don't like this. I don't yeah. like this. No, you fucking like it. Just let it out, dude. Yeah. Once you hear that kick in, you're fucking all about the nookie, and you you broke the cookie to get it. <laughs> uh, another band that came out around my shining days as a young teenager was Disturbed. Ah, uh, the first album. Which, gotta give him credit, it was different. It had a new sound. Unfortunately, every fucking album that they released after <laughs> that sounded exactly. Like, yeah. They just. <laughs> To copyright you, strike that yeah. fucking bullshit. It's just the same stuff 
over and over and over and over and over again. And he just, I can't handle it. Was uh, it David Drayden? Yeah, David Drayden. He's just a pretentious cock, anyways. Yeah. And and you know what? He can say if he if he's if he ever hears me say that, I will fight his short ass. It'll be short guy <laughs> versus short guy, and I will muckle that motherfucker. Um, well, hopefully, David Drayden isn't our only subscriber. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, I won't lie. The first album, I really dug it. Um, I I just like I was like you. It was, there's so many other things that were out there, and this was different at the time. Yeah. And but like you said, every album afterwards, even uh, the second, the next album, I remember liking that album. Yeah, I I actually have a burned copy of that. Uh, there was a couple songs on it that I dug. Yep. There was and and but everything after that, you're like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's the same. Okay, what is this? Thing. It's the same thing. And, and even now, like they just released a new album. Like the coolest thing about Disturbed in 2018 is it. David Draven takes out his vocal, his face piercings. I mean, really, that's that's, that's really he took that about, made news. That I didn't made even news. know he like, did it. I literally saw that come across my feet. I'm like, we are talking about a guy's fucking lip rings, and you think about it. I mean, and I, the for me, it was I was a rap guy in the '90s, elementary school, well, junior high into high school. Like I was, I just heard Tupac for the first time. Yes, it's just it's amazing. Like you hear a holler if you hear me. That that's that's a track that is just fucking sick. And then you get into like anything after that, you know, right on through to his death posthumously. He's amazing. Easy E. I mean, I was a hip hop kid and I was but I slowly transitioned over. I can remember the first time like I, I saw anything alternative. I remember seeing this weird angry guy on M T V like looking like he was pissed at the world and it was Eddie Vedder. Mm. And that was really the kind of the first moment of my life my life where I was like, Holy hell, this is something different. So I went strictly from a rap guy, and I transitioned over, and I, I followed all the best and the worst of the 90s alternative explosion. Yeah, same here. And then, just like you, I transitioned right into new metal because it was something different, and it was something that nobody else was doing. And for me, it was the first time I saw Wait and Bleed by Slipknot. That's was my, that was my transition point. Yeah, luckily I had a friend in uh, high school that really introduced me to a whole new breed of music. Uh, if it wasn't for him, I would have never got into grindcore or death metal or hardcore even. <clears throat> he really opened the door on a lot of that stuff for me, and I was a Slipknot fan. <clears throat> the first uh, two albums are amazing. The only two albums, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and this is probably going to be one of those topics that could take up an entire episode of our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. The fight of Slipknot. Joe and I both are on the opposite sides of this uh this discussion, I I really dug the first two albums. I think Iowa is Me a too. metal masterpiece. Yep, I will agree with Joe that Volume Three, outside of maybe one track, and it's not even a regular track on the album. I can't stand it either. I think Rick Rubin's hand involved with them. I don't think it worked. Um, that said, I believe that All Hope Is Gone is gorgeous. I know Joe differ, differs on that opinion, but I really dig it, and I really have followed them since, and I think what's coming this year is going to be great, too. Yeah, well, we'll we'll have our Slipknot fight <laughs> when they release the new album yeah. and we review it here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was that kid. I went home from school. You know, I had a CD Walkman. <laughs> I had Slipknot in the my uh, CD player, and then I got home and I put it in my uh, stereo. I love Slipknot as far as uh, I had Meat Feed Kill Repeat. I, I I mean that was before Corey Taylor. Yeah, that was when was it and- Andrus was the singer? Oh, I can't remember his yeah. name. I just I just know it was pre Corey Taylor and they got a lot of their songs off of Mate Feet Can you Repeat. Yeah. I for I can't remember the exact names, but I know some of the tracks got remade from that. Yeah, to, essentially they, they polished up yeah. that E P and made the uh the the self titled album out of that, that E P. 
What else came out? I will still to this day stand behind Mudvayne. Oh, I it's that to me is when I see uh, what Chad has done since he's left Mudvayne. Hell yeah! I mean, really, and it's the funny thing. And every time I and I respect the guy because I the first the Mudvayne albums themselves are amazing. Every single one. LD Fifty was amazing. You know everything from there on out. You know it's all great and. He just chose to sell out and, and, and make money doing easy, you know, basically cocktail tricks for a rock band. Yeah, it's uh, it's dude rock. It's pussy rock. It's what yeah. it is. You know, you know. Monvay never released an album that I didn't like. Even their last stuff when they were kind of like basically coming apart at the seams. Lost and found. Lost and found. When they really took the makeup good. off. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love their um cover of uh, King of Pain. King of Pain. So good. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. So good. I mean, in the the last, I mean, everything they did right up until the end, you know, it was it wasn't like there was a a drop in quality of content. It was strong even at the end when they were really fighting all the time. Like you had two elements that wanted to go do this popular douche rocky, you know, cowboy rock stuff that that you know with Vinnie Paul from Pantera. Yeah, which is really and, and that unto itself when you grasp that the fact that you listen to old Pantera and it's just fucking amazing. And then you listen to like the hell yeah stuff, and you're like, all these quality musicians—they're just selling it up the creek, just to get an extra couple bucks and get some chicks to shake their boobies at them. Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. And you think about it, you get into a band—that's half. Okay, yeah. If you're in a band, you're going to get enough chicks to do that for, or guys, whatever, whatever floats your boat. You get that anyway. So why compromise your integrity to do it? I mean, I'm not. A, I'm all for artists expressing their art in any way they deem fit. And who am I to judge that? But I, I just feel like Hell Yeah was such a downgrade from the beautiful disaster that oh, yeah. was Mudvayne. Oh, yeah. I mean, when Dig first came on MTV, I was like, what the fuck yeah. is that? Because you're like, these guys in this crazy ass fucking makeup. This guy is just like puking his guts out on the, on the mic. It was insanity. But it was captivating. It was like watching like a bomb go off. Like you wanted to look away, but you couldn't, you were drawn mm-hmm. to it. Uh, another band that was a uh, part of my school was, uh, a lot of hardcore bands. We talked about this a little bit in episode one, but, uh, I had pretty much a trifecta of uh, hardcore bands that I followed very hard. And that was from autumn, the ashes, poison, the well hopes yep. fall. And, uh, and I was a big fan of the later poison, the well stuff. Yeah. And 36 really, crazy fists. Uh, and it's funny, I just introduced my daughter to 36 Crazy Fist. Bitterness the Star. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm looking for a copy yeah. right now on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were riding home a couple weeks ago, and it's ironic that you brought this up because I went through a phase, I think it was right after we met, you brought them up to me. Yeah. And I remember spending most of that winter we first started hanging out outside on a pond listening to Bitterness the Star yep. and A Snowcapped Romance. Yeah, and uh, it, it's unfortunate I wasn't as big a fan of A Snowcapped Romance. And what was the one they released right after that? The Tide and its Takers. Yeah, The Tide and its Takers. Which has got the All Night Lights and uh, Blood Work on it, which are two amazing yeah. tracks. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bitterness the Star was kind of my first foray into hardcore underground music. Yeah. And uh, I started getting uh, bootleg copies of uh, Poison the Well. Uh, <laughs> Tears from the Red. Yeah, yeah. It was just fucking gorgeous. And uh, yeah. even Shadows Fall. I like Shadows Fall as well. Until it's funny because they were the first metalcore band to really come out of that Massachusetts metalcore scene. Yeah. And they looked like they were going to be the Titans. And they just disappeared. disappeared. You know, it was them. It was Kill Switch, And it was, uh, oh, what the hell is it there with uh, Phil Labonte that 
wretched bastard of a honky American. Um, all that remains. Well, oh band, yeah, all band that remains. started yeah. out really good, and then they just they they're trying to do this like they were like you know the we're American, you know, selling out to to get themselves on TV or on the on the radio when. And then you look at it in the aftermath. The only one that's really still credible is Kill Switch. Yeah, I'm actually looking at uh, Shadows Fall releases right now of One Blood released in 2000. That was that was the fucking album right there. And uh, up to uh, what is it? The Art of Balance in two, 2002 mm-hmm. was good. And then you had The War Within in 2004, which kind of downplayed me. I bought the CD and then I kind of signed out, but I didn't know that they were still making music. I mean, they released in 2012, it looks like, the latest album. They released in 2009. Which says a lot because this is a band that was a godfather on the modern metalcore scene and we're not even knowing that they're releasing stuff. No, it's... Like, it, my question is, what happened to them? But that, that album in 2004, I think, was a major label release. The War Within. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I can't their, remember it if was the, their, It was their step up and it was also their sellout and crash album, too. It bombed. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. <clears throat> of course... Cannibal Corpse was huge in my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, gore obsessed, you know, and um, I am a fan of George Corpse Grinder, Fisher, the new singer. I like the old singer, and for the life of me, it's leaving my brain, but he left and made the band uh, Six Feet Under. Cannibal Corpse was just fucking fun death metal. I mean, if you, it was described to me as, hey, listen to this. It's like watching a horror movie, but listening to it. It's I, like I listening that, I, listening I to a horror movie. Fits, especially where I am more on the outside of that genre looking in. That definitely fits. That's almost like, I think, the first time you described the Dillinger Escape Plan to me, which is like, okay, it's like a trash can falling down a flight of stairs, but there's an organized <laughs> chaos to it. Chris Barnes. That's who I'm thinking of. Chris Barnes for Cannibal Corpse. I don't know. I... I always have people ask me, why do you listen to this crazy shit? And I'm like, well, I like to listen to difficult music. And I'm like, well, when you look at artwork, you know, do you go and look at... uh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Or do you look at... uh, Picasso. Picasso. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. I mean, all of this... uh, Salvador Dali. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Jackson Pollock. Exactly. Things that challenge your brain. To me, bands like Pig Destroyer, Anal Cunt... They're like looking at a Jackson Pollock painting. I mean, you see art everywhere. It's just on how you interpret it. Exactly. You know, and, and I think that's something I think even though we come from two entirely different spectrums of what we like in music, I think we both view it the same way that we want something to challenge us. We don't want to look at the, the blacks and the whites of the world. No. We want to look at the entire color palette. Um, no. For me, like my early, I would say my earliest like n- interest in things that weren't normal we discovering how amazing Faith No More was back when oh, yes. the Epic album hit because it was massive. Mike Patton. Yeah. And it, Mike Patton, yeah. And you look at it now, even the parallels of where we're at as fans. A lot of bands that I like, I, a lot of the singers definitely have a Mike Patton influence or at least some kind of influence. Absolutely. And the guy is, he's just to this day, if you look at the shit he does, it's amazing. It's, <laughs> it's so varied. I mean, he's doing horror vocals for movies. He's... Mm-hmm. He's doing Italian language operas, and he's doing... He's always doing art. Yeah. There's nothing about it that's not challenging, even his straightforward stuff. Like, when he releases the new Faith No More album, literally there's a song about him making breakfast, and it's awesome. 
And and that's the crazy thing about it. It's like things that make you ch- that challenge you. You know, they could have just kept on. You know, the same path after Epic make Angel Dust, which is well, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Yeah, Angel, Angel Dust. Dust is is it is an insane album, and it's not meant for the masses, but the damn thing still sold like three million copies. Because people try to challenge themselves, and it and it, it's a good way to separate the 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 Fairweather fans from the people that really want to get into your craft. Yeah, because they only ever play one song. Oh yeah, that's, I mean that's if you I love Faith No More. What do you like? Oh, I love I love uh, what's the song there? The real yeah, the real thing. That one there, yeah, the one where he's like the fish is flopping around. It's like really, dude, that's a good song. It's a good way to get you started, but you're missing so much, like 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 small victories. The Lost Art of Making Enemies. I mean, even up to their last album, like they get to the point where like the song Strip Search, which is just a great piece of electronic pop. There's so many good things in their catalog. You could just sit and root for hours and, and find songs you've never heard that you love. All right, so this is the topic that I wanted to get to. <laughs> because it's been boiling inside my brain, and we talked a little bit about this downstairs. One of the bands that I worshipped in high school Cradle of Filth. <laughs> I fucking worshipped Cradle of Filth to the point where my email address was Danny Filth God. <laughs> Matt, I don't know if I had anything quite like that. Uh, Bittersweet's The Succubi was definitely my favorite album from them. I mean, it was just, it was nothing I had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And this was, actually, Cradle of Filth was my first foray into black metal. I mean, this was before I got into, like, Demu Burger, mm-hmm. and This was the toe kick for you. But uh, <laughs> I came home one day and almost burned all of my Cradle of Filth things when they released <laughs> Nymphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking album was the biggest goddamn sellout in oh, the yeah. fucking pop culture I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And they did a fucking song, a duet. With Billy Valo. Yes. Billy Valo from him. The guy from him. I was like... What? Well, that's all. And like I said downstairs, this was all I felt that was was a cash grab because Cradle of Filth was like the one non, like, Finnish, Norwegian, Swedish, Scandinavian, like, death band of some sort that Bam Margera wasn't fucking jerking off. You know, and I think maybe that was his effort to try and cash in, like, him cashed in, like, 69 Eyes cashed in, you know, Hanoi Rocks. You had all these bands that weren't doing shit. Because Bam Margera said, hey, these guys are awesome. Their record sales started going through the roof. And you look at him. I mean, him became a platinum artist simply because Bam Margera liked them. They and weren't good. I, 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 I couldn't dig him. I tried to like that song. What was it? Butterfly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all paint by numbers, moody, shitty goth music. It's not even good goth <clears> music. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, I'm a, and I'm a grand appreciator of good music. And it's just, it was B-level mu- music at best. I just don't know what it was. I mean, I, I, I like some of the bands that Bam Margera kicked it with. I mean, CKY. CKY was amazing. Fucking amazing. I mean, Christ, Bam Margera had Slayer play on his front lawn. Yeah. I love Slayer. Guar. They had Guar. Guar. They had fucking Clutch play on his show. I mean, Bam, for all of his his shit for back in the back of the day, he had some decent like taste in bands. I mean, you look at the first three CKY albums, they're fucking great. And it's sad that they fucking spun out and split into two different yeah. deals. But, you know, you look at uh, the first album, that's it's so good. One of the first finals I bought, you know, all of, you know, you've got Flesh in the Gear, you mm-hmm. know, Disengage the Stimulator, you know, 
oh, there's so many great tunes there, and uh, it's it's just funny that uh, that so many things that came out of there were great. But then you see a guy like Danny Phil trying to cash in on what was an obvious attempt to hook himself onto the Jackass train. Mucho disappointo. <laughs> Mucho gusto. <laughs> just, Mucho, I can. Mucho bad. I literally, and, and you can see it too. The music was getting worse. Oh yeah, it's, and it's, I don't even dare. I, the last thing I heard from Cradle of Filth was the Nymphetamine album, and I think I have it. I actually think I have two copies because I think they released two fucking editions of it. And you bought them both, and I bought them both like a yeah. sucker. Yeah, it's it's sad when you get, have a point a time because you spend a, there's a band you spend a lot of time with, and mm-hmm. you and you're devoted to it, and you're right into it, and then we take that left fucking turn at Albuquerque. You're just like, what do I do here? I have um. Their uh, live <laughs> DVD. I, how how are they live? I just have to ask. Is it? Is it, I feel like it's going to be a lot of cringeworthy moments live. Well, they have a. Uh, I think it's called the Circus of Freaks, the Dark Circus. Oh no, that's ICP. <laughs> Never mind. We ain't going to talk about fucking ICP, but it's some kind of like oh man Circus of Freaks, and oh, they man. have like one guy comes out on stage and he puts a hook through his dick and he swings a cinder block on it. So essentially, they they stole the uh, the Jim Rose Circus in, yeah. from Lollapalooza and yeah. used it for themselves. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not even original thought. It's quite intense. It's pretty intense, but um, uh, yeah, I, that that DVD I watched a lot of heavy, left handed, and candid. <laughs> that was that was an interesting uh, thing, and they actually released a a movie. Was it a movie? I think too. I can't remember what it was. It was really, really bad. I wouldn't doubt it. I, every time I've seen, every time I would see a picture of Danny Phil, all I would think, I would just look at it and go, "No, nah, can't do it. No. I just can't." Even and I, I like, I hear a song come up, I mean, nah, can't do it. I just, I, 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 I was maybe be, being too pretentious that I just couldn't even open my ears to it. But every time I looked at the guy, he just looked like a fucking dick to me. Yeah, it's too bad because that voice is so unique. Oh yeah, and there's a lot of guys that have that that voice. But they just use it for stupid, like at, like stupid this, things. I, I never heard anybody do what he did with that high pitched scream. Oh my god! Wow. Now, and I've been try- kind of chewing on it too because I don't know if I have a relationship with a band like you did that I just got off the train. I, I think I either outgrew or just lost touch mm-hmm. with some bands. And and for me, I think the same band for me for you with uh, Cradle of Filth was Pearl Jam. Uh, it was my first alternative love, um, first time I listened to anything that spoke to me. And I was literally, I spent probably four or five years of my, my you know, early years, my, my formative years listening to nothing but Pearl Jam. Yeah. Just spinning records, yeah. spinning bootlegs. And then just like one day, like, you know, you go from like being a 13-year-old kid to being 30. And then just one day I'm like, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. I just literally, I still appreciate them. I'll still buy records, but I don't go out on records the first day they release and buy them. I uh, I don't hold my breath waiting for the next album. I don't pay attention to what the fan clubs say. I'm like, oh, Pearl Jam's touring. Oh, cool. You know, it's like it's just one of those things now. But if you would ask me, hey, when's Pearl Jam touring, you know, back in 2000, I would have told you every day to the tour. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's a different ending of the, of the story, but it's, just, it's the same outcome. Yeah. You just get to a point where you're just like, it doesn't speak to you anymore be it a sellout way or just be it you just you don't relate to it one band that i i really signed off on too was corn i agree um what <clears throat> untouchables is what really turned me off from corn i loved their first albums i thought they were amazing i mean uh follow the leader life is peachy self-titled i mean just amazing albums and then this uh, untouchables came out and it had that weird 
radio rock poppy yeah almost uh they really for the longest time pushed that agenda they were really i think follow the leader turned them into a radio band mm-hmm. and they were so big that year yeah well shoots and ladders yeah. just fucking blew up the airwaves well you, shoots and ladders is off the top. i'm talking about like uh oh got the no. life yeah. got the life, got the life. Um, <laughs> what was the other song from children there? of the corn nope uh, well they didn't play that on the radio um, no got the life was the one where they were kind of making fun of every rap video and then the uh uh, I can't remember the song. All I remember was, was the uh, the bullet time song, where the the entire video fi- follows a bullet, and then uh, that was when uh, Jonathan Davis was doing his uh, his little up 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 you know beatboxing whatever that was. Uh, but I totally agree. I feel like that album pushed him into pop stardom, and I think everything they did after that for at least a couple records was something that was more in that market. I mean, you look at Jonathan Davis doing the. Uh, the Queen of the Damned album soundtrack. Like, he did all the vocals for Lestat in that movie, the terrible movie, and then the Untouchables album, and then really it wasn't until after, I think, that album they started to kind of go their own route, and then really my favorite non-early corn album is the one they did with the Dubsteppy album, Metal Step. Oh, with... Uh, with uh, Skrillex. Skrillex. Freak on a Leash. Freak, that's, yeah. Freak that, on a Leash was on this album. I mean, you think that album, that album right there in 1998, that was probably one, it was a top five selling album of the year in a pop Absolutely. era. It has a pop era, like, time frame. You're talking about a new metal, well, pop metal at that point, album being a top five seller amongst the Britney Spears and the Insyncs and the Backstreet Boys of the world. I had, back when they first came out, Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I did not, I was not an Sync boy. But I was a Backstreet Boy. I, I <laughs> you were older than me. That's I, not fair. <laughs> no, I was I was 19 years old when that hit, yeah. and I didn't know what to make of it. I mean, I grew up smack dab in the middle of the fucking New Kids in the Block, and I was a New Kids in the Block. Absolutely, man. I still, I look New still Kids in the Block too. Donnie Donnie Wahlberg was a fucking awesome dude. Um, that being said, like I remember, like because I was in that weird spectrum of time of transitioning from a really cool era of music. With the early '90s alternative explosion, when you had so many different things coming at you, Nirvana, you had Nirvana Alice in Chains, Jam. Stone I mean, Temple yeah, Pilots, fucking Soundgarden. Yeah. I mean, and you just start digging Smashing Pumpkins. We're mm-hmm. gonna have a whole day. We're gonna talk about Smashing Absolutely. Pumpkins. Absolutely. And uh, then you go from that, and like literally, it was like a year, like 1996 hit, and then everything changed. You started getting it went from everything is alternative and cool to everything is prepackaged Swedish back pop music. So it was so, it's what it was. All Backstreet Boys, all those guys were. It was the same dude that was doing all their stuff. He was from Sweden. Really? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Like some, he was like some like uh, dance producer that wrote all of the words to their first albums. And the way I remember, well, good it, for him. Oh yeah, the guy <laughs> he he did Britney stuff. He did Insync stuff. He did the first Backstreet thing. And it was like a couple other like pop bands, like even Christina Aguilera, Robin, oh. if you remember her. You started bagging on Swedes, and you know I'm a Swede. Well, no, I'm not bagging the Swede. The guy was amazing, but it was like it all <laughs> I thought you came. was going to start bagging no. on Ace of Base. No. And I was going to say, oh, don't dude. you dare don't, bag dude. on Ace of Base. I loved the sign because all I know is she wants another baby. That's all I knew. And I remember like, God Don't dang. turn around. Oh, she, they were so hot. I had such a crush. My 16-year-old self didn't know what to make of that. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, six-year-old self didn't know what to for, make. For <laughs> me, like from that from that time frame, my weird crush was the Cardigans. <laughs> I loved that band. That when Love Fool came out, and I knew they were like from like a darker background, but 
but that was such a poppy song, and and Nina Person, the singer, was oh, such a box. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was pop. It was pure sugar, but it, it had like this kind of dark undertone to it, which I think really made me. I bought that album and I listened to the hell out of it, and then they just disappeared. See, and that's it's a different age for you because uh, Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera brought me into my puberty ages. I was already pubescent when genie in a bottle. No, dude, no, dirty, dirty. The dirty video. I to this day still have yeah, still have an unsure feeling every time I watch I, that video. I, yeah, it's all. Oh, yeah, that's just that's but, uh, the Britney Spears with hit me baby <laughs> one more time. I mean, just let's like fucking prison, <laughs> prison jail bait. Yeah, fucking I'm messes this. Going to jail. Yeah, I on some kind of list somewhere. I know <laughs> for that shit. <laughs> every time I hear that though, all I can think of is the movie Ready to Rumble. And Scott Kahn is in the bedroom, and he's singing it on, like, he's got headphones on, he's singing this song, and they're all looking at him like, what the hell? But that is us right there. You're like, nobody wants to admit it, but in the back room, and no one's paying attention, you are fucking rocking out to Hell Britney. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why people have such a problem with admitting what they like, because they're afraid that it's going to make them look bad, yeah. I guess. I mean, like, I... Look at us. If, if, if people could see with this room right now, they'd be like, oh, really? And the thing about it is, this is, to me is a war trophy room. Like, these are all <laughs> things to be so proud of because the one thing I've always had a hard time with when people say guilty pleasures, I hate that term. You yeah. like it, fucking Own it. it. Own it. It's like when everyone's like, oh, you know, I have these guilty pleasures. Like, I like this band and that. Like, no, nah, dude, I just fucking like the band. Like, I'll be the first guy to tell you, I own every single Third Eye Blind album. I yep. fuck it. I'm going to see them alive again this summer. I love them. When Typo Negative was, a lot, was, a, was a, around and, and people were like, well, you know... It's kind of lame to like them. You know what? Still like them. Still listen to them. I have a fucking Vinland flag on my bedroom wall. You know, that's how much of an asshole I am. I really do. <laughs> so I never get behind the guilty pleasure thing. If you like it, love it. I, I do once in a while, but I got to I, I gotta really stop. I'm like, if yeah, if you fucking like it, like it. Like, I just bought a, um, and I'm very proud of, promo copy a promo copy of Heartland by Real Life. An That's original, a- not for sale, for DJ use only, circulated <laughs> through the radio before it was fucking released. With You guessed it. Send, Send me, me an, an angel, angel on which, it. Because everyone's going, what is this band Real Life? It's you've, Everybody's heard the song. Right, but other people, they don't realize how good of a fucking album it is. Yeah. The whole album yeah. is good. Yep. Catch Me, I'm Falling, Under the Hammer, Heartland, Breaking Point, Broken Again, Always, Open Hearted. I mean, just, it's a solid album, and yep. I'm a little embarrassed once in a while to admit that I have. Send me an angel. But get the fuck over it, dude. Oh, it's like, in my record collection, if you peruse through it, you'll find an album from 1983, and it's Corey Hart, First Offense. Oh, I have I have the single, yep. Sunglasses at yep. Night, yep. on I a 7-inch. I have the album. I found it at a bull moose for like $6. <laughs> And it is an amazing shape. And, I, and like, oh, you just got it for sunglasses. Like, no, dude, there's, like, fucking seven songs on the album that bang. You know, It Ain't Enough. Like, I like Sunglasses at Night, the song It Ain't Enough. That is probably one of my favorite songs ever. I will never not sing it at full volume when it hits the radio. I just fucking love it. And it's one of those things that I love all of his stuff. Some of it's kind of goofy and saccharine poppy some of it's kind of world musicy, but it's the same thing i love it and i won't even lie about it yeah uh one of the albums i asked for for christmas for my wife this year was a uh, play by moby 
It's a great album. I mean, it's it's he's a underrated. Classic, classic foray into DJ club music. Just club music, Early straight club, up club yeah. music. Early EDM club music. I mean, Southtown, uh, Southside with uh, Gwen Stefani. Yep, great I mean, song. You got Porcelain. Fuck it, just beautiful song, Porcelain. Yeah, uh, play by Moby. I, I'm looking through my Discogs app right now because this is how I keep track of all of my records. I can't just look at my shelf and pull a record. I think my favorite Moby track is, uh, uh, what the hell is it? Uh, that's when I reached my revolver. It's a cover of an 80s, like, I can't remember the name of the band now, but it's a 80s post-rock kind of punky band, and he did a cover of it that sounds exactly like the original. Oh, yeah. So here's Moby, like an electronic artist, doing a... Doing this amazing like retro punk cover. <laughs> my uh, my, the guy I work with, we when we do we, once a month we have to do paperwork for our job, and uh, we always do eighties night, nice. and all of this shit is playing through you know Pandora Radio for us on eighties uh, night. Uh, let's see another album I own that I might not yell at the top of the mountains is uh, Modern English After the Snow. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Fucking, I I just bought it for I Melt With You, but I didn't understand that they had, it's it's a great all-around album. It really is. I mean, it's happy accidents. You buy it for one song and you end up finding out you actually love the entire record. You haven't seen my new, uh, my Michael Jackson scream glow in the dark. You were telling me about it. I think my kid was excited (laughs) about that because, you know, that's like her OG. That's her first love was in Michael Jackson. It's glow in the dark, which is too bad, but I had to buy it because it has all of Fuck his it. best like horror Fuck songs it. on it. Yeah. And it has Blood on the dance floor, which is one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs ever. It's great. Oh, oh. Kenny Longa's Danger Zone. I got a seven inch of that as well. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, if you can sit here with a straight face and not say that when a Kenny Roger, a Kenny Rogers song from the '80s comes on, Danger Zone, Meet Me Halfway, mm. Caddyshack, Footloose. I mean, this guy. Literally owned, wrote owned the 80s your, soundtrack. Owned your brain in the eighties. If you watched the movie in the eighties, you watched something he did. And uh and I will never not say I love Kenny Loggins. <laughs> like I will sit there and I will try my best to not to, to deny it, but I will cry like a little baby when fucking Sly Stallone is looking for his kid and over the top and meet me halfway is playing on the fucking right on the on the speakers, man. You turn that head around, you grab the yep. thumb and you fucking yep. lights on. Lights on. Nothing is over. So we're coming to the end of episode two. Uh, hopefully y'all enjoyed this format. It was just kind of a thrown in the air night. We were yeah. sitting here drinking whiskey and wine and beer and said, fuck it, we'll record another episode. I guess what we really want to do is uh, we want to reach out to you guys. Uh, I'm going to start a social media page. We really want to reach out to artists and bands that might not have a platform that maybe we can help them. You know, you can send us your music. We can listen to it. We can review it. We can play it on the podcast if you want us to. Absolutely. I just, I, we really love music and we really love supporting the artists that can't really fight for their own. They don't have any kind of platform. And now we're not saying we're going to have any type of platform, but we're going to try like hell and we're going to be promoting in record stores and it's yeah. uh, local social media. Yeah, I think to add what, to what Joe is saying there, I think it's 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 very. We may not have an extra platform. What we're looking to do is at least create another avenue for someone to hear you. And as musicians of some varying degree ourselves, we know how hard it is, even in today's game, to get your yourself up there to get your your voice heard. And no matter what you're playing, 
could be rockabilly, could be screamo, could be metal, whatever. Yep. Absolutely. We, we look forward to hearing it. I want to be challenged. I know Joe's the same way. We want to hear what you have to say. And if you feel like you, you maybe want to talk about it a little bit, you know, yep. reach out to us and we will gladly do yep. something with you. I'm going to figure out how to do uh, recording Skype calls, um, even just sending us an email. Like I said, I'm hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I'll have, you know, uh, some kind of a social media platform to people to reach out with us. But there will be more on that in the future. But yeah, we're working on it. Just bear with us, and uh, hopefully we've uh, we've entertained you enough to uh, to to have you come back and listen to some more of our bullshit. Right. All right. So this is Music Attic, and this is Joe and Will. And uh, remember, music is subjective. If you don't like something, that's okay. Bye.